1: On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5 with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or
0: restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. Dana here and on last week's episode we talked about how to approach goal setting for the new year with a non-diet perspective. This week we are continuing with that theme and talking about how to undiet your meal prep with Workweek Lunch founder Talia Corin. So doing meal prep and approaching it in a non-diet way is a great way to provide some structure and make eating at home easier and more accessible in the new year without it being diet focused or an all or nothing approach. So this is a really good resource for people who are doing the work to get out of the diet mindset, who are kind of done with the like fuck it portion of like getting out of diet culture. And now you need some neutral nutrition structure and guidelines to move forward. So Talia joins us today to talk about how to undiet meal prep and how to use meal prep in a way that works best for your. your lifestyle, budget, and preferences without any of the like boring chicken, broccoli, and rice containers that we've probably seen so much from like traditional meal prep. So Talia also talks about how meal prep is not a lifestyle, but it's a tool that you can incorporate into your life. However, it makes sense for you based on your family, your needs, your preferences, and your resources. We also discuss the biggest barriers for people who are new to meal prep or who only know how to do meal prep in a very diet or macro counting way. Also, one last thing before we get started, in case you are a new listener to the podcast, you can always find Christina and I on Instagram. I'm Dana Monseys underscore CNS, and Christina is at Christina Hoyt Nutrition. You can always email us if you have a question about the show, or if there's a guest you'd like us to bring on to interview about a specific topic or anything like that, we would be happy to do so. Also, even if you are a longtime listener to the show, this is something new and fun for us that I've been doing is, occasionally I will leave bloopers from recording in the outro music to the show so if that's something that you like then just keep listening once you hear the music start and let's get into this week's episode. Talia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We're super excited to talk about how to undiet meal prep and how we can think about meal prep in terms of goal setting for the new year and doing that in a non-perfectionistic add-in kind of way. So before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you and more about Workweek Lunch and how you kind of came to the philosophy that you currently have around meal prep.
2: Of course, thank you so much for having me on guys. I love your podcast, I'm a huge fan, and I'm really excited to talk about meal prep in a non-diet way. Um, So yeah, I'm Talia, and I started my blog and my company Work Week Lunch in 2016 because I wanted to start a business. And I knew how to cook, so I kind of just married those two things together and figured it out as I went along. Um, I started meal prepping after college because I was living in New York City. I was pretty broke, although very lucky to graduate without any student loan debt. And I wanted to save money to go on vacations, build an emergency fund, and save for the future, of course. So I quickly realized, you know, working at my, I worked at a town agency in an office, like a regular office job. I realized that buying lunch every day at Chipotle and all these other takeout places for like $12 to $14 was really adding up. So my goal was to save money, and that motivated me a lot for meal prep. When I started, I was very much in the diet mindset, though, so that was definitely a part of it too. And I found intuitive eating while building work lunch. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. So, tell us a little bit more about like what, and we're going to go into details and specifics and everything later. But almost every other meal prep like company or you know modality that we've ever seen is really just like cook very plain foods, measure it all out, count it all out and put it in like perfectly, you know, symmetrical containers so that you're eating the same thing, breakfast, lunch and dinner like every single day or lunch every single day. So I know <laughs> Talia's is like shaking her head like, oh my God, my literal worst nightmare. So tell us what makes the philosophy behind work, week's lunch different.
2: It's different because it's not, the success of what your meal prepping has nothing to do with the number on the scale or anything fitness related. It's really about how can you create more time and money or whatever you're trying to create more of in your day-to-day life and also eat food you like, you know, I think the biggest thing about meal prep is the, the picture like you're describing or like the immediate thought is the chicken, broccoli, rice, like really bland, boring, no seasoning. Right. Uh, and that doesn't work. You're not going to be excited to eat that every day for, for a long time. So I would say, yeah, the difference for us is we prep things we look forward to. And I don't tell people what to eat because everyone looks forward to different things. We just have hundreds of different ideas to choose from.
1: That's really fun. Cause I, one of the things that I was thinking about too, is how boring it can be. And so many people, one of the things with meal prepping that never ends up sustaining is because it does, it lacks variety you know, if you're making the same five things every single time, it's just, it's boring. It's not tasteful. And like, you might have like a different sauce on it, but every single time it's basically the same type of thing. Like, I love the fact that you have a lot of variety and that it's not, you know, boring chicken breast with broccoli and (laughs) and brown rice. And that's exactly what I picture. And I think that's a lot of times what, Our clients and the listeners' picture, too. And so it's really nice to have a resource that shows that um, meal parping doesn't have to be that way and that it can be a lot more variety. It can be fun. The food can be different. It doesn't have to be the same thing. And also at the same time, it can keep costs down and have a lot of fun along the way. And kind of one of the things you talk about, too, is how meal prep isn't a lifestyle. And I think that's a big piece too, is a lot of the other ones are so lifestyle driven, like this is your ticket into being better. or Like this is your ticket to long-term health. And for you, the way that you talk about it, which is so different is that it's a tool that you can incorporate and and it needs to make sense based off your family needs, preferences, and also resources And I'd love for you to talk more about how your meal prep isn't like that. And it is a tool, not a lifestyle that's going to give you this end result. That's like, yay. I think the biggest mental
2: reframe is understanding that you can use meal prep only when you need to. There are times where you're going to be going out every night and that's great. Or you're going to be really into cooking and you got a new cookbook. You're watching, you know, the British baking show and you just like want to cook something different all the time. In some weeks, you're just going to be like, wow, I don't have any time for this. I need to meal prep. In order to keep myself fed, satisfied, and also keep my sanity, right? Cause look, it, it's all like there is a time and place for the chicken broccoli rice meal preps. I know for me when I go through really hard emotional times, that's all I want. But I don't have to stick to that. If what I love about the tool reframe is that you can put whatever you want in your meal prep containers, the idea is just anticipating your needs as a human. And that can look different week to week.
0: You know what is really funny is When I hear like meal prep is a lifestyle, it really gives me the, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle vibes. And I'm just like, this is just packaged in like another gift box. It's the same thing.
2: No, it really doesn't have to be. I don't do it every week. I always tell people to take breaks, um, you know, and I'm constantly empowering people in my community to keep adjusting their system. Like your life is going to change and your systems and routines have to change with it. Diets don't allow that. Diets don't
0: allow that for that,
2: you know, flexibility.
0: If we're thinking about people for whom all they've never known with meal prep is like the chicken, broccoli, rice trifecta, right? And because of that, they've never gotten into meal prep because they're like, I don't want that as a part of my life. For those people, what do you think are the biggest barriers for them who are new to meal prep into getting into this more like intuitive and flexible routine of doing meal prep?
2: That's a great question. I think the biggest barrier is that it feels like a production and it's very overwhelming. Eat, like, to be fair, chicken broth and rice, really simple. People who cook would probably know how to make out that, that recipe and it feels like less of a project. Um, you know, throwing together some rotisserie chicken and pre chopped bag salads with a pre made dressing that can be meal prep. But like, the way I do it is cooking from scratch. <laughs> so I, I think when people watch my stories or see people who are, meal prepping, more elaborate meals, it just looks overwhelming. And that's a really big barrier. So to solve that, I always recommend people who are just starting out to choose one recipe, preferably something that's one pot, preferably something that's freezer friendly so that if they do get bored of it, they can freeze it and not waste anything. And it's just one recipe that they can eat a few times.
0: And then what do you think are some of the biggest barriers for people who are coming from like the traditional meal prep, right? Like for them to, if that's all they've ever known and that's what they did for a long time and say they found, you know, some quote success with that in terms of, you know, it was super easy and they didn't have to think about what they were eating and everything like that. What are some of the tips that you can give them to transition to this more, again, flexible and I would say a lot more enjoyable form of meal prep? <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Uh, I think my favorite approach is prepping your favorite takeout meals. Takeout meals tend to be really leftover friendly, which is all meal prep truly is. Um, it's just leftover friendly things. Um, and I think that that kind of helps us step away from the diety recipes or like the quote unquote clean eating re- recipes that you find with meal prep. It's like, oh, I love uh, chicken tikka masala. How, let's find a recipe for that. You don't even need to find a meal prep recipe for that. You can just find any recipe and it'll keep for a few days, you know, that's, that's my approach. Um, and it will, I think I've been there. I've gone, I went through that process. I was that person who was cooking and baking with alternatives who did not need to, like, I don't have any allergies or restrictions. I didn't, had no business really using, um, like, like arrowroot starch and, and like almond flour and stuff. I had no real reason to do that. Um, and I made it harder for myself. So transitioning into using butter, sh- white sugar, um, flour was difficult. But cooking actually helped me have that exposure. Like, you know what? Actually, this isn't that much. Like, they're like this is actually, and this, their final result tastes a lot better. So, I think the process and also changing up how you choose your meals will help.
1: From a perspective of like transitioning into intuitive eating. One of the things that I'm curious about is kind of like, how is um, the variety and the intuitive part brought into the meal prep recommendations that you guys provide each week? Or how does that kind of function? Absolutely. We, we give people a little bit of structure.
2: And we, we are constantly encouraging our, our community and members to run with it. And we include extensive swaps in each recipe for probably every ingredient in the recipe. <laughs> so if you don't have access to certain, you know, ingredients based on where you live, if you don't like things or have allergies, um, or or that's too expensive or whatever, you can change it. And our recipes are are designed to be, you know, screwed with a little bit. We, when I started this company, I didn't want to write recipes. I wanted to teach people how to kind of cook more intuitively, if that makes sense. But recipes just happen to be a really easy way to teach people how to cook. (laughs) So a byproduct we hear from my community is that they gain cooking confidence through our recipes because we make them so kind of lenient with the changes.
0: And I love that too, because... Your website and your Instagram is one of the main resources that I will send people to because it's not, like, unlike most food blogs out there with very few exceptions, there's no, like, diets screaming in your face. I really love that you... You know, still provide examples of if you have, if you're lactose intolerant, if you have a seafood allergy, you know, if you've got all these things, but you're presenting them and reframing them as just like a swap rather than like, this is paleo and this is blah, 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 and this one is keto. You know, if people are following those dietary mentalities or for, you know, whatever reason, whether it's, you know, a health reason or they're working with a practitioner, this is also a really great gateway for them to be introduced to a more like, non-diet or like non-super in-your-face <laughs> like yelling screaming diet labels at you which is so refreshing because and an interesting point of view and I'm sure you get this too from like the blogging side of things for SEO or like search engine optimization purposes like from the blog side it is easier to rank higher in Google if you're using those diet labels and stuff so I really appreciate as also a fellow blogger that like you're kind of choosing to not make things go as viral as they could because you're trying to stick to you know that intuitive like non-diet label piece.
2: Oh yeah our recipes don't rank nearly as well as our our like blogs and roundups but it's fine you know the free recipes are like candidly a way to help people get into our programs like try our free recipes come into our program. That's, that is really why we do it. Also, you know, I really like giving my stuff for free, even as a business, it's really important to me. So, um, yeah, definitely decided not to, I don't want, I I basically, if if someone's in my DMs and says, I'm trying to lose weight, will your program work for me? Will your recipes work? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And luckily there are many other resources for you out there. I'm not trying to convert people. Um, I don't really feel like I have the mental energy for that <laughs> right now, especially in my DMs, <laughs> but I will, I basically will just tell people if you're trying to lose weight, we're just not the right resource for you necessarily. We, we might be, but I really don't know. I like, you know, it's, I try and stay neutral. And also back, back to what you said earlier about like being neutral on Instagram about food, which drives me crazy is when you see someone post a dessert, which is just like a, a lovely, like maybe a blueberry crisp and they're talking about the antioxidants in blueberries. And I'm like, oh my God, like can blueberry crisp just be a blueberry crisp? Like does every, we have to talk about the fiber and the oats. Can't we just have like oats because they're good? <laughs> you know, it, it that, that drives me absolutely crazy when I see that.
1: One of the things that I really love about Workweek Lunch and your entire philosophy around it is that I love that it provides a really, Like Dana was mentioning, really safe, non triggering resource to honor your cravings and desires and adding more variety into your diet and kind of creating a a blueprint and a plan for consistent eating and accessibility to eating. And I think that that's probably a byproduct of the meal prep piece and how you guys go about that. And, um, how that how that works and how that's how that's naturally just kind of gonna happen is because oh I'm prepping things so therefore food's gonna be more accessible to me. Therefore I can eat more consistently. So I don't have to think about it as much and I don't have to hem and haw over what I can eat and what I don't want to eat and what's available in my fridge. And it just makes it so much easier. And so I would I think that's one thing that I think is a really important piece of it because I think people get caught up in meal prep as being this is what I have to eat. This is how I have to do it. And I think a big mindset shift can be about, I'm just making food accessible. Exactly. Yes. And I think that's so important. I love that about work week lunch and we haven't asked you this yet. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, I feel like we should, because you've mentioned it a few times as kind of this program that you have in becoming a member. And I'd, I'd love for you to kind of lay out like what that looks like and what people get so that people can understand more and
2: yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, basically as a member, you sign up, we have a custom website. That's kind of like a meal planning app, but it's not, it's on an app. It's a web app. Uh, and you have, you know, 600 recipes. We have like search functions. You can search by ingredient. You can search by um, category. We have a couple of categories in there. I just start, you know, you can bookmark and save your favorites and stuff like that. And then the main event is the actual planning. So we have this like grid that we will be redesigning next year. (laughs) Or we are redesigning. We're in the process of redesigning. And you basically just drag and drop your meals. You organize them. um, You make, you know, your kind of visual. I'm a visual person too. You make your visual meal plan. It's a grid. But, big but, you do not have to stick to Oh, I planned the salad on Tuesday lunch. I have to eat on Tuesday lunch. The planning, the plotting it out is more for figuring out how much you need to cook that week. It doesn't really matter when you eat those meals. It's just kind of like, okay, I have a, a date night this night. I have like a social thing this night. Okay, I don't need dinners those nights. What do I need? You know, planning around. So that's really what that grid is for. I don't want people to follow Monday oatmeal, Tuesday, you know, pancakes. Like it's just, no. <laughs> Then after that process, you go get your shopping list. It just automatically generates based on the recipes that you choose, which I think is the magical feature people love. Like you said, there's a lot of thought process, even if you don't meal prep or plan there, we have to think so much about food. We have to eat multiple times a day. So much of our brain space goes to food. And I love meal prep because you just erase some of that work that you have to do mentally. (laughs) That mental load is just gone. You do it all at once. takes me 20 minutes on a Friday to plan my meals for the week. And I do, I've been doing it for years, but you know, so yeah, after you get your grocery list, I usually recommend people shop the next day and then cook the following day. So you never want to do it all in one day. And that's, that's how it works, you know, and then rinse and repeat whenever you need to.
1: This is so, I, I signing up this afternoon, (gasps) I think. Just full disclosure, I think it's going to happen. Uh, Because this is such a huge clog in everybody's drain in so many ways. And so I actually really related to this. And I think you'd find this funny as I saw this meme or some post one time that said, I didn't know adulting was going to be answering the question, what are we going to eat for dinner, like every night for the rest of my life. And it is like, especially for You know, I know you guys, neither one of you guys have kids, but when you have kids, it's like, oh my God, now I got to decide what we're all having for dinner. And it just becomes like this whole, this whole thing, like this other new task, which can take so much of the fun away from cooking and from eating. And I love the fact that you said that you can plan your week. And again, there's like built-in flexibility. And I think that's one thing that traditional meal prep is really hard on you about because it feels like oh I've prepped this thing for Wednesday and then Wednesday comes and you're like I don't freaking want to eat that. What I love about this is that built-in flexibility and again that leads itself to being more intuitive. I'm not forcing myself to eat something that I don't want. I'm creating the space to say, "Hey, I also have these other things that I could just make instead and I can push this to Friday." I'm glad it's
2: like it's not a perfect system. It's not 100% because you only can work with recipes we have. So I do say like for people who want to cook other random stuff throughout the other week, we ha- aren't there yet. I mean, I want to be there. I want to be able to have people write in stuff. We're not there yet, but it for meal prep specifically, I think for the work week, um, it is really solid. It's a solid system that definitely saves a lot of people a lot of time. And I'm proud of it for sure. Uh, another thing, it is really important for listeners to, to remember that you can you will not be in the mood for what you make all the time. It's normal. You can, you have the option of freezing, repurposing, donating, and tossing. Yes, it is okay to toss food sometimes. If you cook in general, you're going to screw up sometimes and have to end up tossing stuff. It's just part of, you have to just know that going into it, people get really, feel really guilty for that. And I feel you, but if you do this process, like you will have weeks like that where just, it all goes to crap. And then You're just not going to want anything and it's okay.
0: The other thing that I really love about this modality, not only as a tool, but also it ties in really well with the episode that we did for last week was talking about how to set goals with a non-diet, non-perfectionist mindset. So this is a really good tool that you can use for that if you have a nutrition goal, if you have like a meal prep goal for the year in terms of, I just don't want to think about food as much. I want to have food more accessible. I want to eat more foods that I enjoy and I want that to be easier for me. Like it's a fantastic tool for that. And then it's also like, wow, imagine being able to eat pasta multiple times a week and not feel bad about it, right? So that's the other thing I love about your recipes is it's not just like... You know, your traditional meal prep is all, quote, like, clean foods and everything like that. And this really helps people in a structured, very nutritious, like, nutrient-dense way incorporate more foods that they definitely were not incorporating when they – if and when they were meal prepping before. And, you know, in our practices, we kind of call those micro-exposures of, like, slowly over time starting to introduce these foods that people didn't used to eat all the time for whether it was, like, a diet reason, a weight loss reason, or anything like that. (laughs) I was like, yes, me, all of us included. Um, And so I just love that this really, while it provides a lot of great like non-perfectionistic structure and like non-diet approaches to meal planning and prepping and everything, it also is a really gentle way to start to introduce new foods and probably like new flavors that people are not accustomed to cooking too.
2: It is the coolest thing to see people try new stuff in our community and they're like, I would never try this. And they I'm just like thanks for trusting us, you know. And sometimes there is a difference between like a bad recipe and a a meal you don't like, you know. So I'm so people will be like, I tried this and this isn't my thing. That's hey, that's how you learn, and you know, I'm happy we can give people the space to explore.
1: One of the things that I've been thinking about too is around um, you mentioned it earlier about building confidence with cooking, and I know that was something that you mentioned in your personal story on your website too. And I'm curious because I have a lot of clients and a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of people listening that don't feel comfortable cooking a lot of different stuff, or they've never been exposed to it. They're not the, you know, I've been cooking my whole life. Dana, we all know. I mean, hello. And then you obviously been cooking for a while, but i building recipes, but I think it would be really helpful to give people an idea of how is it structured to help build your confidence and how do you do that? Are there like recipes for the novice cook, or how does that work exactly? We're
2: going to start building more more of that into our program um, next year. And we are exploring this this concept of confidence a lot. Actually, we, we started talking about it this week or last week because we are so curious about what confidence really means. And interestingly enough, what we've learned, it has nothing to do with the taste of the food. Like people, confidence is just how you feel when you're like behind the stove for what we know so far. And I think that with meal prep, um, and with our, our recipes, well, one, they're written for beginners. They're all written. They're kind of over-explained. They look pretty long. We describe, we try to describe the aromas, the, the, what you should be looking for, you know, the time and every sign that you could have when you're cooking, that it's something is done. I also recommend for everyone, everyone who's cooking your fish, listening, get a meat thermometer, stop guessing. If they're $10, seriously, just get one. <laughs> you will never worry about under overcooked meat again. For anyone listening, chicken should be 165 degrees Fahrenheit and you're good. <laughs> so just, just putting that out there for confidence. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think that we give people just that safe space of like repetition because that also is a huge part of it. You have to keep cooking to like, anything else. You have to practice. Um, and luckily we all have to eat so much. <laughs> so we have a lot of chances to practice. <laughs> Well, One more tip is to taste as you go. A lot of people do not do this. This really does relate back to diet culture and dieting because when you are cooking as a dieter, everything is about calories and, you know, maximizing nutrition or whatever. You don't get to focus on taste. I think a lot of people don't even know what they really like the taste of, um, which is really important to, it's important. If you want to be good at cooking, you have to eat, you have to eat different foods and, and sit down and notice like, what is this flavor? Do I like it? And I'm always asking myself, like, do I actually like this? What do I think? Like, how are my feelings on this flavor right now? <laughs> you know? And then that's, I think eating is a great way to learn about cooking, to be honest, but it's easier when you don't have a diet mindset.
0: Oh yeah. A hundred percent easier. Um, so speaking of recipe development and everything, I think, you know, it's coming, but tell us and the listeners more about your cookbook that's coming out next year.
2: Yeah, thank you. I know it's hot. it's wild. I have a cookbook coming out next year. It's called the Worky Lunch Cookbook, and it's a uh, sixty lunch recipes for packing up and taking on the go. Um, and yeah, it's it's the book is going to be like slightly more elevated than what's on my program because I I believe as a cookbook user, I want the recipes to be a little harder. I feel like I get more bang for my buck if they're like just a little bit more challenging than what you can find on 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 a blog. I don't know. Do you guys agree? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, the the book has like a variety of vegan, vegetarian, omnivore, gluten-free, pescatarian, um dairy-free recipes. The biggest difference honestly though is um and the in my website and the program all recipes can be made into five different diets. So they have to be, there is a level of simplicity that they have to beat in order to accommodate this, but the book doesn't have that. So I was able to kind of be like, oh, I can use this ingredient because I don't need to worry about a vegan way to do that. You know? So that was so nice.
0: <laughs> so we also wanted to ask about one more thing that we love that you posted about recently, because we've just done a couple of episodes on this. And one of your recent posts was, <laughs> which I loved this, how to avoid binge eating by eating a variety of foods every few hours and honoring my cravings instead of trying to avoid them. So we have been talking our listeners ears off for weeks about this. So we would love to get like your spiel on this.
2: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I have a a really fun for me approach to cravings. Um, And this works for me as someone, just for listeners, I've practicing for intuitive eating for a while. So I have a very strong amount of trust with my body. So throughout the week, my mindset is I don't have time for food, but I will have cravings and I have a mental way of being like, oh, I'm craving a burger right now. Let me go to my calendar and schedule in when I'm going to eat this burger over the weekend. And I make it like an event. Like I pick a restaurant, like spend time researching with like the best burger wherever I am. And I like go, I'm like, oh, well, there, there's a cute, like walk nearby. I'll bring my dog. Like that's my <laughs> approach to cravings. I have this ability to like okay I have meal preps I don't have time to go out right now to get a burger like I'm busy but here's one I can do it. and that for me just helps my body like know that I will have that craving honored and then yes I eat dessert every day I pretty much eat candy every day um, <laughs> I eat I, I think I eat bagels pizza pasta and burgers and some for and sushi like every week <laughs> somewhere in there
0: so yeah I feel very I don't think about it And I think that that, just what you said there, like I don't really think about it, I think that's a true, you know, mile marker that a lot of people can aim for, right? Because I was just talking to a client about this yesterday, is like one of a lot of people's main goals that they really don't know how to voice when they're starting on this journey of their relationship with food is they want to feel less controlled by food they want to be less consumed by food thoughts or like worrying about what they're supposed to be eating or like when they're going to be eating or what they're going to be eating you know most of the time because when we think about how much time and energy and resources that takes out of our day it's absolutely absurd like most people don't even until you actually think about and try and quantify how much time that takes up and if we put body image thoughts in there like don't even get me started right but if you were able to quantify that, it's absolutely absurd how much time that takes. So if you're able to get to a place of, you know, I just don't really have to think about food as much, you know, I really don't have to worry about it. Like, what a beautiful way of thinking about how you can start to move towards like a more, um, you know, like we don't really say food freedom on this podcast, but like more a neutral relationship with food. Yeah, like, I, like, I like
2: that neutral relationship. That's how I feel that that is accurate, like how I feel about my relationship with food It's just sometimes like I, food is never really the highlight of my day and it used to be, you know, it used to be very much the focus uh, and like, and it can be the highlight of my day sometimes depending on the situation, but with meal prep, you know, one, I would say also another thing on cravings. If you, I don't recommend meal prepping meals and snacks, like leave some room leave some room like have your favorite snacks on hand but don't plan them you know or or vice versa prep your snacks with leave meals open leave something open for those cravings because they deserve space in your meal plan
1: that's one of the things that make um this type of meal planning so different because it is flexible and there is space for it and um like you're Here we are giving permission to not have to plan out every single meal, snack, and everything you're going to eat all day long, and you have to stick to it and all the things. And that in and of itself feels exhausting and also highly restrictive. Even though you're eating, it feels restrictive because you have to eat and live within these confines. And so the fact that we're creating, that you've created, and a program and an opportunity to have and honor that variety is already going to help you feel less controlled by, by food, because you're going to be having that flexibility and that built in kind of abundance. Oh, I have food available. Like it's here, I can do this. And these things are available to me and I can choose to eat certain things, like eat this or that in different orders, but I have it accessible and easy for me to access. And that's so, so helpful for, um, as we talk about, about avoiding, you know, binge type type eating and thinking about it from that perspective like the biological pieces of that that dana and i talk about that we know our listeners know but it's just so great thank you
2: yeah of course and also just about another way meal prep helps with this is like it helps you eat enough so that you don't get to the end of the day and you're just like where are my crackers and peanut butter and cheese and oreos and whatever (laughs) you know and we that's okay it's gonna happen you know but meal prep, that helps me definitely eat enough throughout the day when I'm just so busy. I don't want to think about it. I'm like, oh, fine, okay, I have to eat something. <laughs> you know, here's this meal that's that I made days ago. That's perfectly fine.
0: You mean to say that eating enough throughout the day can help prevent binge eating and overeating? No way! We did a whole episode on this two weeks ago. <laughs> love that oh my gosh well talia thanks so much for coming on this has been i know it will be a super super helpful resource for a lot of people between the website the instagram the cookbook all of the places if they don't follow you already please tell everybody where they can find you
2: yeah thank you so much wow i love nerding out about this stuff and getting to talk about it and you guys are so great um yeah anyone can find me reach me at Workbeat lunch on instagram tiktok youtube wherever you guys hang out that's where i am
0: You guys are so great, except when Dana was late for the podcast and then her internet cut out and we almost had to restart. (laughs) We're cruising. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're not normally this scattered. I don't know what's happening. But we did it. Yeah, we did. The moon must be out of alignment or something.
1: I don't know. The moon, Dana. (laughs) Yeah, the internet juju is really
0: working against us today. (laughs)